Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Down to Business. I am your host, Amanda Andrews, the managing editor for New Hampshire Business Review, and I'm joined today by Michael Jaimo, Northeast Region Director at API and a previous commissioner for the New Hampshire Public Utilities Commission. Uh, and today we're going to be talking all about energy infrastructure here in New Hampshire and uh, solar projects, community power. And to start, I just want to say welcome, Michael, and if you can share a little bit uh, about yourself with us. Sure. Th thank you for having me, Amanda. Um, it's great to be here. I started my career um, uh, out of law school uh, working for the Business and Industry Association, the BIA, the New Hampshire State Chamber of Commerce, uh, doing energy and environmental issues for uh, the organization, uh, for, for the business of the state. Um, after eight years there, I, I went on to work for the, the power, uh, the grid operator in New England, ISO New England, spent a decade there. Um, then I was um, uh, nominated and uh, appointed to serve as a commissioner at the New Hampshire PUC, where I spent 2017 through 2019 and uh, in, or, I'm sorry, 2020. And then 2020, I, um, I uh, started here at API, the American Petroleum Institute. Uh, working in the Northeast region. Um, the Northeast region um, is the six New England states, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania, and, and, and Delaware and Maryland. So um, so I, I'd be happy to talk when I when I say the region, I'll either be talking about New England or the, the, the API 10 state region. So um, thanks. Yeah, excellent. Thank you for sharing a little bit about yourself. You definitely know a little thing about energy. <laughs> and, nice of you to say. Yeah. Um, now I'm I think there's there's been so much in the news lately about energy options here in New Hampshire. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you can kind of share with our listeners a little bit of a rundown of what options we're seeing today. Um, I know there's a lot, um, but I wonder if you have those like initial touch points of, you know, there's been some sure. talking about community power. So just kind of yeah, wondering sure. what is the, what's out there right now? Sure. Um, you have, consumers have multiple options, right? Uh, deregulation happened, started percolating in the mid nineties and was brought to New Hampshire in about 2000. The whole purpose of it was to give consumers choice as to where they get their energy from to, to provide customer choice. And um, so the utilities, your traditional utilities, were the supplier of last resort if people didn't go out and find their own um, supply source. The vast majority of, of residents stayed with the utility. Um, a lot of large businesses who have elaborate um, you know, uh, processes in place and dedicated people to, to do energy procurement went, uh, went on their own and were able to choose energy, energy, energy suppliers on their own. So th those, are the, th those are the two general options. The state has obviously um, allowed for aggregation, community aggregation, where communities can band together and get the economies of scale. And they, basically they look more like a large business, right? When you take a bunch of residents, you put them together, their load would look looks better. There's economies of scale, and 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 you can get some of the benefits uh, associated with going out to market yourself. The challenge I think that that people have, Amanda, is, uh, you know, the pub the public utilities set the rates for the utilities um, in six month intervals, right? So 
often what you'll have is people sign a sign a contract with the supplier and then they they'll always compare it to the interval that they're in right there but don't recognize that in three months later or six months later when the next contract comes um they may not be in the money right they their 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 number may not look as good as it did three months prior so mm. those are some of the challenges facing the consumer in in, in new hampshire and honestly throughout the region now if say a community wanted to look at their options, what do they have to do? Like, how do they come together in terms of, you know, to even look at that? You know, it does, is it a whole town? Do, do they need buy-in from everybody? What does that usually look like? I think it depends in, in many, in many circumstances. I'm not, um, you know, a, an expert per se uh, on this, but, um, you know, there, there are buying groups that you can, you can join. Um, communities can, uh, talk talk together and to do that um you can go to a supplier um one of the things that people might want to think about and businesses small businesses to the extent that they can aggregate we want to think about is going to a supply going to the supplier and saying what load do i need what load looks best to get the best price right if you could if you can marry people using power from nine to five with you know a a, a business that use that has that runs a third shift Right, you would have a very good load. You'd have a consistent and even load that would be easier and and um, and sort of produce potentially a better rate. What are the infrastructure challenges that we're facing in the state? Well, I think some of the you know some of the larger challenges. Um, you know, we have a, a regional power system um, that has been supplied with the same five pipelines, gas pipelines, since. The, the early 90s, right? Mm. Um, but demand for natural gas has improved and improved significantly, but we're still serving serving the same uh, pipes. We're still, we're still being served by the same pipes. So what you'll have is a situation where um, where a lot of people are demanding a, a, a finite amount of gas, which causes prices to, to, to elevate. And then if you had more pipe into the region and more supply into the region, the region could actually potentially see lower natural gas prices. Seeing as 50% of the power in the in the region is supplied from natural gas and natural gas power plants, it only makes sense, right? Then that if if you can increase the supply, lower costs, that you would then see similar savings um, likely in your electricity bills as well. So that's one of the challenges that the that the region faces. Mm, one of many, I'm sure. <laughs> Now, I'm curious if you know of any, because I feel like, you know, there's always projects happening in the different regions. And I'm wondering if you know of any trends that uh, that you're seeing in the space um, when it comes to these massive projects that are being undertaken. Sure. Uh, you know, I guess what what I see is, um, you know, uh, challenges right we see challenges you hear about a lot of large projects but i guess i would submit to you that let, let's take new england for example um you know i i'd ask you or anyone to to name a big energy project a big energy infrastructure project that has been built in the past decade you can't yeah it's it, it's it's really you know it's really challenging and, and there are so many challenges right you'll you'll yeah there there are obviously siting challenges you know what we're seeing for some of the development, right? Is is particularly with respect to the offshore wind, you're seeing 
supply constraints and interest rate challenges, right? Which are forcing some of these companies to actually want to or have to renegotiate the contracts that they they signed up for already. So, you know, there are there are significant challenges um, that we're seeing, citing supply chain, um, legal challenges. You just if you look to if you look to the east, um, you'll see a large power line that was proposed. You know, I think back as early as 2016, and then started moving in 2018. And you know that saw a citizen ballot initiative. Mm-hmm. It saw um, a state supreme court proceeding, and you know only now is it really starting to to uh, look like it's getting closer to, to development, but that's still multiple years past what it was, what, 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 when it was expected to be in service. So all that to say is even if you have infrastructure, it, it, in, infrastructure development out there, you know, it could be lengthy and could be um, challenging to site and it could take a long time. That's for sure. <laughs> and I, I, I guess that sort of leads into my next question because, you know, this is definitely a hot topic especially this year, um, considering there's a lot of um, political things going on. So I'm I'm curious if you know or have an, an opinion of what policymakers should be doing for like the long-term strategy that works for everybody. And I know that's so hard to even consider, mm-hmm. but do you have an opinion on sort of what the best long-term strategy would be for New Hampshire or the Northeast in general? Well, I think you made a very good point long term strategy it's mm. it's a long you have to look at things in the long term here um there are so many different factors at play like we just went over how long it takes to get something built so whatever you think however long you think it's going to take to be built a- add additional time to that right quadruple because that yeah. quite, <laughs> whatever the number is there's 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 some number there um you know from a policymaker perspective you know in the states in the northeast um there are moves to electrify and electrify everything, right? Mm-hmm. We have moves to um, to get to 100% EV by 2035 in, in all most of all the states in the Northeast, mm-hmm. uh, absent New Hampshire. Um, you also have moves to 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 become all electric in the building sector. So to to effectively over the next handful of years to to make sure that new construction is only built with um, with electric heat pumps mm-hmm. uh, and electric stoves, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, to, to have a, to have everything all electric. So, again, getting to the long term aspect and the long long term planning. If everything is if if the policies are to push everything to electric, you need to keep in mind that you have a grid that's you know limited in the aging, and you're going to need to to make advancements. Uh, both on the distribution as well as the transmission system. Mm-hmm. These things, uh, obviously those things take a long time. You're gonna need something to to um, add more power to the system. And if you're gonna add more power to the system in the form of solar and wind, which are what the states are contracting for and 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 investing in, you're gonna need something to back that up. Now, there certainly their batteries are coming online and getting better and better but you need something that can respond in real time. Mm-hmm. And and actually, you know, natural gas is the best al- alternative for that because the, the natural gas plants are able to turn up, to, to ramp up and ramp down in real time. They're very flexible. They provide, they provide um, regulation and reserve capabilities for the power system, which are really 
obviously important and, and help keep the reliability in check. So I, I guess my long answer to your relatively short question is to be mindful of your policies and to take the long view, exactly what you said, and not to, to recognize that you can't retire things until there are other things firmly in place. Mm -hmm. That's actually very good guidance. <laughs> now, I'm actually very curious about, because you mentioned uh, wind, there's solar, there's natural gas. Is it a combination of all, do you think that would work best for states or is, you know, pooling in, you know, just wind or just solar is probably not a good way to go, I'm assuming. Yeah, a financial planner tells you to diversify your portfolio. Right. Uh, you know, the API, we have um, our State of American Energy event on um, yesterday, we had it on Wednesday. And, you know, that that's one of the things we called for is an all of the above approach. You need to uh, unleash, uh, you know, energy access to all, to all, you need to bolster infrastructure to allow all, uh, and, um, you know, you need to, to, to be cognizant of an all of the above approach, because if you rely on all of one source, you'll find yourself in, in, in in trouble. There was actually an ironic situation that happened in Maine, just um, just in December. So they were they were going to the uh, the the Board of Environmental Protection was going to vote on um, on these uh, what they refer to as the advanced clean car rules, which would set in place electric EV requirements um, uh, starting in 2027 through 2025, 2035, and the the power system went. Uh, they had trouble. The storm came into Maine, which it frequently does, right? Mm -hmm. And they called off the meeting because of, of power outages and challenges. Um, and they had to delay the vote for electric vehicles because of electric power outages. Well, the only reason I, I mentioned that is you obviously want more than one alternative. Um, you shouldn't rely just on electric. You need to rely on 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 multiple on multiple sources, and uh, you know we have a power system that relies on on various um, things: oil, coal. There's still a coal plant, obviously, in Merrimack at Merrimack Station, mm -hmm. Bow. Um, there's hydro. There's imports. Uh, there's natural. You know, there's natural gas. There's biomass. There's a, there's a whole host of things. And the more diversified your portfolio, the better prepared you are. I, you know, I guess I would say as people who live in the Northeast who have winters, you know, we all envy that person that has multiple heating sources, right? The, yep. the, gener the generator as well as whatever else they have. So, um, so I guess policymakers need to sort of provide, uh, apply that same logic of don't limit, don't limit fuel sources. And New Hampshire just um, within the past two years passed legislation that, um, that uh, that requires that there is the ability to have multiple fuels uh, at uh, at a home, uh, and to give uh, consumers fuel fuel choice. So uh, I think that was a really good policy that the state um, passed a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's a it's a um, a strategy that I think works well in different sectors. So um, I'm I hope that our policymakers will heed that advice. Um, but I'm actually curious because you you did say you had experience in other states. Um, 
Do you see any comparisons at all between, say, the New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania region compared to the Northeast? Is it completely different? Are there things that we could learn from them that they're doing correctly, vice versa? Um, I'm just curious, like the the, the comparisons between the two different regions that are close, but um, definitely different. Yeah, I think um, New York and New Jersey um, and the sort of mid-Atlantic states are closer to the Marcellus Shale. Mm. Uh, the shale deposits in Pennsylvania, uh, and they don't have the same constraints that we have um, getting gas to to their to their locations. Um, so there is a uniqueness there. You think, well, we're it's right next door, but we have five we have five again five uh, interstate gas pipelines serving serving the state serving the Northeast. They have you know more, so it, you could visual it as a funnel, right? And they're in the larger part of the funnel. And when it reaches the New York border, it gets to a, a much smaller funnel. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I think there's, um, you know, there are, we are infrastructure. That, that's not to say that New York doesn't have uh, natural gas constraints as well, but their constraints aren't nearly the same as what we experience here in the Northeast. Yeah. So they pay, they pay a premium, but we pay a premium plus their premium, so. Um, it's a, it's a significant challenge. I think a lot of the states in the Northeast um, have, you know, very similar environmental objectives and mandates. Um, so they're pushing pretty hard on wind and solar. We mm-hmm. see that uh, they're contracting for large swatches of of uh, offshore wind, and um, you know, and I think New Hampshire is. Um, in the process of studying that and analyzing that and is prudently learning from everyone else's experience. So I think the state's actually in, in, a, in, a, in a good position there. Do you think hopefully that will carry over in the next five to 10 years or say? You know, again, getting to your point of, uh, and all of the above approach, right? We, we need we need everything. Um, yeah, let's hope we I stick to that. <laughs> I wouldn't close the door on, on anything in particular, right? I, I would, um, encourage everyone to, to be as open-minded with respect to uh, resources, allow resources to compete, um, have the ones that are economic stay and have the ones that are uneconomic leave the market. Uh, we have a regional market for that very reason. We've made it so that utilities don't own generation so that the customers aren't on the hook for power plants that are no longer economic, for plants that go bankrupt. Um, the you know, those are costs that are assumed by the shareholders of power of, of, of power developers and people that build power plants. Uh, that was a, 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 you know, I think a prudent decision. Um, and, um, you know, that's that, that's a good thing. And uh, I think we're reaping some of the benefits of that. Excellent. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to touch on before we say goodbye? Um. Sure, I, I guess I would say you know the the American Petroleum Institute is, is is proud of the fact that you know we saw significant production increases mm. uh, in 2023, right? Um, while OPEC was was slashing production, we increased oil production by 5.4 percent in 2023. Um, we also saw natural gas increase by four and a half percent. Uh, over that same time period. And these are really important facts that that provide benefits, not just sort of domestically, but globally. Um, mm. LNG exports uh, in 2023 reached historic levels for the U.S. Um, we are the number one producer of LNG. And, you know, that's a pivotal 
fuel um, that is helping our allies, um, you know, particularly in the wake of the energy challenges resulting from uh, the Russia invasion in the Ukraine. You know, we, the American producers of fuels, have filled that void and have provided a real good, um, a real good benefit that that goes through um, that, that's gone through globally uh, to our allies. And you know, we've also seen natural gas produce environmental benefits here uh, within the the power sector. We've seen SOX, NOx, and uh, CO two reductions gone down significantly over the past two decades. So there's a lot to be proud about uh, from our industry and uh, part of the the. Uh, State of American Energy event that was held yesterday was to talk more about this and to elevate this discussion and to let people know that there's there's a lot of good things happening and those things you know it it, it is um, the our companies who are um, you know doing great things and and obviously we want to make sure people are are aware of that and providing great benefits. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for sharing today. And definitely this is going to be a hot topic for many years to come. And I'm glad to see that there's some positive movement, um, especially with those figures that you gave us. That's really nice to see. And I will say it, it is also nice to see the gas prices go down a little bit um, at the station. <laughs> it's very nice to see it drop below $3 even in some parts of New Hampshire. So, And Amanda, that is a, a function of right that excess fuel the excess supply that we were just talking about and so yeah. right it provides reliability and it provides um uh, uh cost benefits so yeah we're very happy about that i would say that consumers are too <laughs> well thank you michael for Thanks. joining us today i really really appreciate you taking the time um and stay in touch <laughs> would love to thank you all right everybody listening be well